Max chapter 8, verses 14 through 25. It says this. Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. These two went down and prayed for them so that they would receive the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Peter and John placed their hands on the Samaritans, they received the Holy Spirit. Now, Simon, when he saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the the apostles' hands, offered them money, saying, Give me this power too, so that everyone I place my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you because you thought you could acquire God's gift with money. You have no share or part in this manner because your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that He may perhaps forgive you of the intent of your heart. For I see that you are bitterly envious and in bondage to sin. But Simon replied, Oh, you prayed to the Lord for me so that nothing of what you have said may happen to me. So after Peter and John had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem, proclaiming the good news to many Samaritan villages as they went. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the revelation. And God, we thank you for your spiritual revelation as well. God, that can override even the most ingrained of thoughts and the most ingrained of, of opinions about Scripture, Lord, that you break through. So Lord, this morning I pray that you would break through. Break through our stubborn hearts. Break through our, hearted, our hard-heartedness, our, our thick-headedness, <laughs> our thick-skinnedness, God, that we've developed and built and to use to protect ourselves from you, God, from goodness, from joy. Lord, help us to see your face this morning. Help us to see your heart of love and feel your heart. Let us, God, bring our spirit to join with your spirit this morning that we may know and understand and be able to walk in the way of the word of God this morning. Give us hope. Show us your joy here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may have a seat. Unexpectedly. You ever seen the old movie Pollyanna, where you see that the pastor just get up there and he's like, "Bah!" He's like, all of a sudden, "Whoa!" Right? Like, what in the world? Like, surprising, kind of out of nowhere. Right? That's what like what change is like sometimes. That's what this kind of this rebuke may have come from. Like he was expecting you to hear a price from these guys. Like, oh, it's 30, 30 pieces of silver. Oh, we've heard that before. Or, you know, hearing, you know, maybe a, a haggling price or something like that. But to hear this, like, boom, like in your face, like, oh, like, holy cow. I didn't expect that. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. Good Monty Python, you anyway. <coughs> But all these things in, the, in this passage today show us, I think, a beautiful truth. They show us, I think, some, some beautiful word that there, there's never, 
Never too far gone. And we'll get to the point here in just a minute. But think back. Are you the same person that you were even three years ago? No. I'm, gosh, I'm not. Anyone here the same that they were ten years ago? Anyone the same as when they were in middle school? Thank God. Oh my gosh, I remember middle school. I was going to show some pictures, but I was like, oh no, nope, uh, not, not quite there yet in my spirit to let people see me in junior high. Just kidding. I, <laughs> there was just going to be too much work to get the, the pictures off my hard drive this morning as I was thinking about it. But man, we all go through those weird and awkward phases. We go through those times where we're being knuckleheads. We're making stupid decisions in our own selfish stupidity. Because we're believing everything around us. We're thinking, oh, these friends of mine tell me I should do this. Like, sure, why not? Oh, this is fun. Oh, crap. Why am I destitute now? Why do I have no friends? Why does my family want to kick me out? Why is this happening to me? Why am I going to jail? Why are all these things? Why? Because I'm in a season of circular, stupid, stinking thinking. We all get there. The beauty and the glory and the joy and the good is when you get out of it. Amen. Is when you say, I'm done thinking this way. I'm sick of the old results. I'm sick of the old hopelessness. Trying to fill that void with this or that. And then we start to come out of that and start to see the light. But we need the direction. Sometimes we need that voice from over top saying, You're in a hole! And sometimes we need the other person that says, hey, I'm going to come down in the hole with you. And then sometimes we're like, we desperately need the guy that's like, hey, here's a ladder. Let me help you out of the hole. And then we have to get on the freaking ladder. That's the huge step right there. You can't stay in the hole. You can't stay in your junk. You can't stay in your stupidity. You cannot stay in your stinking thinking. You got to get out of it. And we need all three of those kinds of people in our lives. The prophet that says, you're in a hole. The priest that says, I'm in the hole with you. And the king that helps you out of the hole. Gives you resources and ideas, direction, counsel. And you say yes to that. You get up out of the hole and you walk away from the hole. Stop going back to that stupid hole. Because here's the reality of our God. The reality of the grace of Jesus Christ, the reality of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the, uh, the power and the glory and the goodness of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit that's been given to you, is that we are never too far gone for the love of Christ to change our minds and lead us in a new direction. No one, no one, not you, not me, not Simon. No one is too far gone. Not that person that annoys the heck out of you because of their stupid decisions over and over and over again. They're not too far gone. Fill in the blank. Put, that, put a person's face in your mind. Who would have you said, oh, they're too far gone for God to use? They're too far gone for God to bless. They're too far gone for God to save or to transform their life. They've done too much. Put that person's face in your mind. 
Is it you? Amen. Or someone else? That's fine. Put that person's face in your brain, in your mind. Because I want to look at our passage here today, and I think there's a lot more joy than we realize. Especially in a story that seems on the front to be so... uh. (laughs) So, let's talk about that. Let's talk about Simon's rebuke here. In a second. So, let's talk about first, Simon's rebuke had to start with Simon's what? Sin. Simon's misunderstanding. Simon's stinking thinking. Simon's stupidity. Right? So a lot of there's different questions come into mind as we see all this, and especially the weight of his of his uh, rebuke of him, the uh, weight of Peter's rebuke of Simon, the ma- the magician here. Listen, may your silver perish with you. Wow. Ouch. Thanks, man. But here's the question: So, was Simon's sin forgivable? Was Simon, was, was this saying that he didn't really believe? Did he just want another trick to add to his power arsenal as a magician? Did he just want you know, to have more power? Because, was this, you know, because he had lost his livelihood by believing in Jesus and he lost this connection with the territorial spirit as we talked about last, last week, that maybe he was thinking like a prosperity preacher? He was going to now take this as his power to wow people and to woo people and to get money. It's going to be his new livelihood. Be a faith healer. Be on TBN. That was for this table over here. <laughs> Were the apostles too harsh on him? We're not really told a lot of details. Or at least necessarily on the surface. We read this passage and we and we and especially in our English understanding of the words that are translated here, it's it's easy to miss. But let's take a look at what was going on a little bit deeper so we can see what's what we can learn here. So think about this. Who was rebuking Simon? Simon. Simon Peter. Simon Peter was rebuking Simon Magus. Was Peter ever like saying something out of his mind, and all of a sudden, like Jesus, like turns and says something hard to him, rebukes him? Yeah. Get behind me, all right? He he knows what it was like. Peter rebuked Simon in a similar way that Jesus rebuked him. Jesus turned and told Peter, "Get behind me, Satan!" Whoa, I thought I was your beloved. I thought I was your disciple. I thought I was your homeboy. What's up? You are a hindrance to me because you're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Hmm. If you're a hindrance to Jesus, does that kind of bode well for you? No, 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 no. But was he saying that you're lost? Was he saying that you never really believed? Was he saying that you've lost your salvation? Was he saying that you're too late? No. Simon Peter's mindset in this passage part was broken. He was still in his thinking, stinking thinking of the pharisaical works-based garbage. 
And the interpretation of what they thought the Messiah was supposed to be, this great warrior, military leader, political leader, and they had to get over that. Because why his thinking was not about God's concerns, but of his own flesh, his own mind, his own traditions. Simon Peter had to change his mind. But Simon the Magician's mindset was also broken too. Think about this. Like we talked about last week. Can you remember last week? Oh my gosh, it was a, it was a whirlwind. <laughs> if you didn't get to watch last, last week's sermon, go and watch it on, on the website. Um, but just a, just a little catch-up gist of it. Um, <clears throat> so the, the three levels of spiritual warfare, so deliverance, healing ministry, like the boots on the ground, that's like personal deliverance uh, from either oppression or healing, or it's maybe demonic oppression, demonic uh, manifestation, demonic presence, possession. Uh, occult, number two is occult level, which is like witchcraft, occult, new age, Yoga, yogis, spiritual realm, things that are, that are mixing worldly spirituality and worship of demons with the worship of God or Jesus. Um, and then no, number three is the territorial spirits. The territorial spirits that are the fallen, high-scale hierarchy Elohim in the heavenly realms. And just as another little catch-up to this, so the supernatural hierarchy in the unseen realm is Yahweh, the triune Godhead, the four living creatures, the Elohim, which is, so half the times in scripture it refers to Elohim as this spiritually, spiritual heavenly council of beings in the, in the unseen realms, uh, that God gave authority over the different people groups of the earth when he separated them at, uh, at Babel. And then you have the archangels and then angels, three different kinds of angels, ministering angels, um, destroyer angels, and then your messenger angels. Uh, and then you've got your spirits underneath that. So that's the heavenly hierarchy right there. So this guy, Simon Magus, Simon the Magician, had given himself over to the authority and power of the territorial spirit. The territorial spirit, and that's how he got his power. All of his power, all of his magic was real magic. It wasn't you know, smoke and mirrors. It wasn't you know, illusions. Illusionist, or it wasn't like one of these, what do they call them, the mentalists type thing, where they pick up on body cues or whatever. The, this was real spiritual manifestations in the physical realm that he was wielding through occult practices from the pagan temples in the land of Samaria. Wowing everyone, right? So this is, his mind is thinking he is a part of a community of occult leaders. He's a part of an, of, a, of an occult priesthood where they're all, you know, he has buddies who know this passage and have this passage and have this book and have this spell and have this conjuring, have this demon that they're conjuring, have this way of, you know, like we have today. We have all sorts of, go to Barnes and Noble and just peruse the witchcraft and occult and new age section. It exists today. There's someone at the coffee shop who's a witch and she does uh, astral projections and, and, and goes and, and, you know, and, I don't even know what that, what that is. Go ahead and Google that. Astral projections. People are doing it. It is becoming a big thing in today's culture. Astral projections. And new age and occult. Going and opening themselves up just simply to the unseen supernatural realm, whether it be a malevolent or benevolent spirit, but they're not opening themselves up to the Holy Spirit. 
Because even in the spiritual realm, there are benevolent spirits. Fairies and things like that from folk- folklore that are real, by the way. And then you have the malevolent spirits. And so a lot of times in, in New Age and Occult, they're, they're navigating the spiritual realm between the spirits and the demons. There's a whole... No, that's, another, that's another conversation. <laughs> that's another series of podcasts or something. But Simon... Simon was servant of the territorial spirit. Got real power. And he had this connection with all these, these guys. And they would trade... They would buy and sell their spells. They would buy and sell their tricks. And that was his mindset. That was his thinking. He was deeply immersed in that culture. He had all the books from, Bar- from the local Samaria and Noble. <laughs> he had them all. He had hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of these books and spells that he had traded with his buddies and accumulated more and more power for himself. And this is just the way that he thought. He had to change his mind. There was a lot that this guy had to learn. A lot of things that he was dumb to, especially when it came to worshiping Jesus. And so, according to his, his culture, like this was just normal. Offering money for, for a power. But to the way of Christ, it was evil. Satanic and abhorrent. And so, he had to rebuke him. He rebuked Simon the magician. And sometimes, like, as, as dads, you know, got, you know, dad's here, I know it's not dad, Father's Day, but hey, we're going with that. Well, we'll go with moms. Moms, there you go. Moms, right? <laughs> when you're disciplining your kids, when you're yelling, kind of, you know, when, you're, when they're kids, and they, like, run out in the middle of the road, you're like, not like, oh, don't run out of the road, sweetie. Stop! Right? The, the disobedience warrants a different kind of response. This was him running full-fledged into traffic on the interstate going the wrong way. He, Peter wasn't going to be like, oh, no, actually, we need to talk about this. Um, yeah, that, that's not... No, he, the, the, the weight of the way in which he rebuked him was responded, directly respondent to the weight of the death he was speaking. The same way that Jesus rebuked him. He was rebuking not necessarily just Simon the magician, as Jesus was not just rebuking Simon Peter. He was rebuking the spirit of the demon inside of him. Jesus was rebuking Satan, the voice of Satan coming through the mouth of Peter. And Peter was now rebuking the voice of the territorial spirit coming through Simon the Magician. So let's talk about that word rebuke. I think it's kind of a fun word. And I think this is where, this is where we're going to end our time here this morning. Or going to kind of be for the rest of our time. So the word rebuke is to you know, repel or to, to beat back. But it's interesting. It has this connotation because of the way buke or bush in the original Germanic that actually means to chop a bush. It's a, that's where we get the word bush from, is book, bush. Kind of fun. So this, this word is like to, to prune a bush or a thicket, to kind of pull it back, to rein it in. 
to trim back into shape by cutting off stray branches or like bonsai. This is a, you, you know, if you're, I don't know if you know much about bonsai, but this is a, a beautiful art form that they are trimming this tree specifically into an intentional shape. Every little itty, itty bitty, they have the itty bitty trimmers to, to even trim like one little itty bitty green branch off of it to thin certain areas out and to shape the trees. It's an art form to rebuke a tree. It's not hacking and slashing. It's not just, you know, oh, I don't, I don't need this one. Right? He doesn't hate the tree. He's not abusing the tree. This guy right here is not like, oh, you're such a stupid tree. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you grew that little tree. That's my ancient Chinese man. He loves the tree. He loves his art form. He's cherishing the tree. He is careful about what he cuts, where he cuts, even how, like what angle and how intensely he cuts. He is cultivating life and beauty with his rebuking. And it goes well as long as the tree accepts the pruning. Which is another way that he rebukes the tree. He rebukes it in a way that it will accept and not die. Plants love pruning. They love this process. They receive it well because it gives them the opportunity to stop focusing on these dead branches or these non, you know, non-meaningful branches and put it where it belongs. Put the energy into growing, the, you know, using the precious nutrients that they have from the soil and putting them into its deep roots, its healthy branches, the leaves, and especially, and most importantly, the fruit putting the fruit, the, the nutrients that it gets into growing and producing fruit. The best way to help a plant is by pruning it. Look at look, you know, John chapter 15, all about the, you know, the vine and the branches and pruning and lifting up and doing all this working as a vineyard worker in order to produce more branches? No, fruit. Spiritual fruit. And so when he's saying here, when he's rebuking Peter here, I'm sorry, when, when Peter is, re- is rebuking um, Simon, the you know, Magus here, oops, he's not being angry with him. He's not being mean to him. He's not hating on him. He's just chopping off a big branch. Because sometimes it hurts. What is he saying? Change your mind. What does he say right here in our scripture passage? You have no share or part in this manner because your heart is not right before God. Therefore, what? Repent. Metanoia. Change your mind. Meta. Change. Noyao. Mind. Thinking. Logic. The direction. Metanoia. Change your mind. So why? Why? 
So that this wickedness or this sin may be what? Forgiven. Sent away. I love this, this word for this passage. Divorced from you. It's this, this word, it's about this like sending away or actually specifically like to tear apart, to, to divorce yourself from something. Like rip it. Rip it off of you. Tear it away. Throw it away. Burn it. Exactly. We need to divorce ourselves from broken mindsets. It's so interesting. Like we hold so tightly to these things. They keep bringing death. They keep bringing shame. They keep bringing doubt. They keep bringing shame. They keep bringing consequences. And we keep going back to them. We hold so tightly to wrong mindsets because they feel like they're our identity. I don't know who I would be or what I would do if I didn't have or didn't do. Fill in the blank. We all have them. We can even and often do fight against anyone who would dare to challenge us or to counter what we think to be true. Call them an idiot, unloving, bigot, satanic, evil. What is he saying? Peter said to Simon there in verse 23, he said, For I see that you are bitterly envious and in bondage to sin. Your mind is in bondage. Your identity, your thinking is in the wrong place and you're there keeping yourself locked up. As they say, sin is the, is the, prison, is the unlocked prison cell that we keep running to and closing the door, even though it doesn't lock. We, we, he needed to change his mind to receive the pruning of Peter as Peter received the pruning himself of Jesus. Peter understood. He's like, dude, I get it. I, I'm, I know I'm speaking hard words. I know I'm just being bold right here and just kind of throwing it all out there. But I know the feeling. I know it hurts. But I also know the goodness. I know the glory and the fruit that it produces when you receive it. And you grasp it and you say, yes, I will change my mind. I will change my heart. I will divorce myself from this garbage and go that way. Because he changed. What was his response? He said, pray to the Lord. Pray for me. Pray to the Lord for me so that nothing of what you have said may happen to me. They pointed, think about this, all the way back right up here in, in, our, in the rebuke. Look at this. He says, and pray to the Lord that he may perhaps forgive you. Pray to the Lord. He pointed, Simon Peter pointed Simon Magus back to Jesus. The author and the perfecter of our faith, our Savior, our hope, our God. The one in whom he had come, you know, Simon had come to believe in and put his faith in. 
They pointed him back to that guy. Back to the one who was working wonders. Back to the one who was speaking the goodness of the gospel of Jesus. Back to the, our hope. Back to the Lord. Back to true life and true love. I don't believe that Simon was simply afraid and wanted to avoid the bad consequences. I think a lot of the, the commentaries I've, I've read in even study Bibles like put in this like, that basically they thought that this here was basically saying, you know, if it's possible, but you're pretty much, pretty much still you know, too far gone. I was like, no. And a lot of other, other scholars didn't know what to do with this. They're like, we don't know. That's the best, really, just the synopsis of all the five commentaries I read. We don't know. But then looking at another commentary or two, and then seeing the, the context in the, in the original languages, and seeing this navigation of, and, and the culture, this perception of, as, we're, as we've been talking about, of the unseen realms, is that he was, was given over to this thought. Because think about this. I know that this, hopefully this is never going to happen. Say you want to go and join a pagan cult. Right? Would you go in there saying, I'm going to pray to Zeus. I'm going to go and pray to, you know, to Odin. No, what would you? You'd like, there would be priests there, of course, because all pagan religions have priests and priestesses. You'd walk up to the priest and say, would you pray for me on my behalf? Right? Because you wouldn't have the boldness to yet speak to that God. To give prayers and offerings to this God yet. Because you didn't know what you were doing. You didn't want to do it wrong. A lot of people when they come to faith in Jesus are the same way. Like would you pray for me? Would you pray over me? Would you teach me to pray? That's why the disciples asked Jesus, hey teach us to pray. Because we want to know how to speak to your God. So that he can become my God. So that Jesus can be my Savior. And so he was asking. I think this was sincere. I think Simon was like, oh, would you please pray for me? I know I've, I've done wrong. I'm realizing this now. I need to learn. I've got a lot of stuff to go through. I've got a lot of things to learn. I believe that Simon truly came to faith in Jesus, made a huge mistake as a young disciple. He was probably like only a disciple for like a few days at this point, Right? was rebuked, changed his mind, and spent the rest of his days following Jesus. I believe that Simon changed his mind and submitted to the way of Christ and even received the Holy Spirit himself, which was a huge, huge help in changing your mind. I mean, having God you know, inside of you, you know, it's kind of, you know, kind of helps make the, you know, the decision-making process and the mind-changing process. We see right here even a submission to Christ and to the apostles in his request when he said this, pray for me so that this won't happen. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to go away. I don't want to be thrown and cast off. Because think about it. If he did not change and he got rebuked like this and he was like all these other things proved to be true, he would have been like, ah, screw you guys. I'm going back to the temple. I'm going back to my power. I'm going to go back to my magicianship. I'm going to go back to my work. I'm going to fight. Actually, I'm going to fight against you, you little jerk. You made your church look bad. No, he said, oh, pray for me, please. 
because this gospel that I've received, this Jesus that I've experienced is so precious. This faith that I've received is so good. Please don't take it from me. Pray for me that this won't happen. And again, they pointed Simon back to to Jesus. We always need to point our brothers and sisters back to Jesus. Helping and trimming in a way that they will receive and not die. Rebuking, correcting, admonishing, encouraging. Making sure that we are spending more time on producing good soil that people have you know, of, of our faith so that people have plenty of nutrients being, being poured into their lives so that if and when we need to, here's the thing, we oftentimes feel like we're needing to spend our lives with people in a constant state of rebuking all the bad, stupid decisions that they're making. That's not the way of our faith. The way of our faith is supposed to be the majority of it is loving and serving and encouraging one another. Not just the, oh, I'm doing well on a Sunday morning. No, like legit, like getting down into the dirt with them. Sharing life with them. We cannot have an isolated faith apart from one another. We've got to show up for one another. So that we can cultivate good soil in each other's faith. So we can all be planted in in a garden that we do, that we, you know, that we complement one another. So that if, if and when we need to prune and help one another to trim dead branches off of each other. It's done in an attitude and a heart of love and service, knowing that it, the soil that, we're, that we have poured into their lives is producing nutrients. That they know that they are loved beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you believe that they are not too far gone. That there is never a time when it's too late for them. You might need to separate for a while. You might have a broken relationship for a bit, but you need to pray and work through those things. And so here's the question. How do we, how do we grow? Well, first, we need to look to Jesus. Like they, like they kept pointing him back to Jesus. Look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Through how? Through prayer, scripture, worship, Getting into the Word of God, getting you know, reading books, you know, Christian books. I can give you a good list. I can also give you a bad list of ones to stay away from. We submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit and to our brothers and sisters who are godly and respectful. You can't. Here's the thing. This is very important, you guys. We cannot produce our own good soil. Oftentimes, oh, it's just a me and Jesus. Oh, it's just me and Holy Spirit. Oh, it's just me and my faith and what I believe. And me reading, sitting down with the Bible and coming up with what I believe. No. We have to learn and grow our faith in community. We have to. You cannot grow your relationship with God alone. And I will go on record for the rest of my life and say that. You cannot. You can bring, get cultivation of knowledge and goodness and joy and love and compassion from Yahweh, from Jesus, in your daily devotionals with Him. But it's like that manna in the wilderness. It expires. It doesn't expire. You know when it doesn't expire? It's when you cultivate it into someone else's life. And they cultivate something else into your life. 
and you grow and you flourish together, unless you're able to use the information, it will go away. Or it will not produce what it was meant to produce. There may be something that gives you an experience with God that gives you great encouragement and, and healing from something in your own life, but God wants you to use that to encourage the body and to be encouraged by the body. The church is a companion garden. It's not a little pot. We're not little individual pots planted on, on a shelf. We are a garden. We are a permaculture garden planted around one another for one another's benefit and cultivation. So we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit and to our brothers and sisters who are godly and respectable. We change our minds about how we live. We follow through by making new and better decisions. We desire to reconcile broken relationships. We earn trust. We don't gain it back right away simply by starting to make good steps forward in a new direction. But even just starting to make better decisions earns trust immediately. So I talked about that with my son, with my kids. When he does something bad, like, did I lose trust at him? I'm like, yeah, you did. And then he goes and, and like does, like goes and cleans his room. I'm like, bro, yeah, you just earned some trust. That's awesome. That's great. I didn't have to tell you to do that. And so then you encourage that. Like, yes, go do that. Do that more. Maybe now do that in the living room. Now, how about you do that when your sister is pestering you, you can walk away or you can encourage her instead of, you know, smacking her in the face. Actually, it's usually Hazel that's smacking Jackson in the face. But, and then we continue to learn and grow. We become more like Christ and less like others in the culture around us. We realize those voices and those influences in our lives that are garbage and get rid of them. Whether it's media, social media, or friends. I know, gosh, guys, I, I know this is a hard one. I know this is a hard one. And it's not saying that you don't love them or that you ho- pray God's goodness for them, but sometimes the best thing that you can do for your faith and for your friend is to get rid of that friendship. Because it's toxic. And then once you get rid of that, then they're also free to grow in health as well. Maybe you are the one enabling their toxicity, their toxic life, their toxic thinking. Because when you get together, you think the same way, but if you separate, your thinking is freed to grow and mature. But here's the thing, we we endure all these things, we continue to grow, we continue to learn, we press in. Our whole life is about learning, is about growing up, is about growing in maturity, getting better. And the reality is, make sure that you ingrain this here, right there, and down here, that we are never too far gone for the love of Christ to change our minds and lead us in a new direction. It doesn't matter if you killed a guy or girl. It doesn't matter what has happened in the past. God can still and wants to change your life and to steer you in a new and life-giving direction. Why? Because He wants to. He wants to see your life flourish. 
He wants to see you glorify Him. He wants to see you loving and encouraging other people and being loved and encouraged by others. He wants to bless you. Do you believe that? Rather than seeing our faith as like, oh, I've got to keep a short account with God. I've got to make sure I'm not ticking Him off today with my dirty, rotten sinnerness. No, it's not how it works. God is always pleased with you. And when you do something stupid, he's like, all right, how can I help? Yeah, it was stupid now, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. You learned a lesson? Mm-hmm. Like this video, like I saw last night, there was this kid in a, in a tire, and his mom is videotaping video it. And I'm like, that's going to end badly. She's like, I don't know. You're going to get hurt. Stop. Get out of the tire. Okay, I'll let you do it. You know, it doesn't look like you'll get hurt too bad. But you'll learn a lesson. Sometimes God's like, they're like, well, this is not going to go well for you, but uh, I'll be at the bottom right, waiting to, uh, with the bandages and the first aid kit. But does he want you to make that mistake? Does he want you to roll down the hill and get hurt? No. So when he says, hey, that's going to hurt you, don't do that. Or hey, come this way, let's get, let's get out of the tire. Come this way, let's, and let's, go on a, let's go for a boat ride. Let's go skydiving together. In the spiritual realm, you know, whatever it is. Like, the, the better joy that God's inviting you into. We go with Him. We don't do the stupid thing that's going to get us hurt. We're going to go and do the fun thing that's going to cultivate life and beauty and better and joy, gladness in our own lives and in the lives of others. So say yes to God this morning. No matter what it is, God is saying something, you say yes. God is saying change this, yes. Give up this, okay. Give up these friends, ooh, ouch, yeah. Uh, If you're asking me, God, yes. Trust God. That's what faith is, is trust. Trusting your life to God. And entrusting yourself to one another. You're never too far gone. And other people, that person you had in your, in your head, in your mind, in the beginning that's too far gone, they're not too far gone either. For God to change our minds, for the love of Christ to change our minds and to lead us in a new and better direction. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your amazing eternal, incredible, loving, peaceful, and joy-filled grace that you bestow gladly upon us. Lord, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that comes to stir joy within us and to remind us of your great love. To stir our hearts to change for the better. God, encourage us this morning. Inspire us. Lord, pour into our heart joy and gladness to move forward in a new direction with new decisions, with new life and new beauty in front of us. Forgetting what lies behind and pressing on toward what is before us. And Lord, because you, Lord Jesus, 
are in front of us and before us. You have gone before us and you are walking with us. You have redeemed where we've gone and forgiven everything behind us. And Lord, you you are paving a new way forward for all of us. Show us, Lord, your new light. Show us, Lord, your new joy every morning. Be with us, walk with us, and and let us know that you are with us and that you will never leave us nor forsake us, no matter what. For it's in Jesus' name we pray all of these things. Amen.